Whirlpool, one of the haulers said, his voice filled with awe. No whirlpools on the Terran. Hightower sounded empty. Never been a whirlpool. An unfortunate occurrence. Moraine's voice was hollow in the fog that made her a shadow as she turned from the river. Unfortunate, Lan agreed in a flat tone. It seems you'll be carrying no one else across the river for a time. An ill thing that you lost your craft in our service. He delved again into his purse, ready in his hand. This should repay you. Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and someone who's never read the series before read through each of the 14 books in this very long series. A warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Eye of the World, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 12 through 16 of Eye of the World. Note, I have not read past chapter 16, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of the Eye of the World or the other 13 books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 16, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. All right, so last time we left off kind of kind of sort of anticlimactically, with Leon throwing a bunch of money at someone named Master Hightower to take them across the River Tyran. We pick off pretty quickly with that. They take the ferry across the River Tyran, after which it mysteriously sinks in a sudden whirlpool. On the other side of the river, they feel safe enough to rest and settle in for the night in a spot where Lan had prepared on his way in through the two rivers. Uh, while they're in this spot, which is kind of like a grove of fallen trees, Moraine has a talk with Egwene about the true source and the one power, explaining Egwene was born with the ability to channel Sidar, the female half of the one power. Moraine wants her to go to Tarvalon to train as an Aes Sedai, and Rand is not happy about that. They rest there for a short while and then continue along the way to Tarvalon. Along the way, Land is taken to training the boys using weapons, specifically teaching Perrin to use his axe and Rand to use Tam's sword. While training, Tam Hat tries to teach them the Flame of the Void, but Rand mentions that he's already learned it from Tam. While this is happening, alongside it, Tom starts to train them in various Gleeman skills, like juggling and storytelling and whatnot. Kind of while traveling, Rand and Egwene get into an argument about her starting training to be an Aes Sedai, which was brought on by Egwene no longer braiding her hair in an attempt to emulate Moraine. They have a couple uneventful days on their travels. Matt starts to feel more comfortable and starts to wonder if he should maybe not go to Tarvalon, instead going somewhere like Ilion. Moraine interrupts this conversation, kind of dramatically telling them that she's there to make sure the Dark One doesn't get them, and if she thinks the Dark One will get them, she will destroy them first. Eventually, the group reaches the city of Berylon, where they take a break. They decide to stay there for a couple days. Here, Moraine informs the group that the people of Berlon, or some of the people of Berlon, it's a city, know Moraine and Lan as Mistress Alice and Master Andra, respectively. She also tells the boys and Egwene, to a lesser extent Tom, to not mention what they run into, especially because there's a group in Berlon right now called the Children of Light. They go to an inn called the Stag and the Lion, where they get to take a bath for the first time in a while. While bathing, Moraine gets some gossip that lets her know that Berylon will be safe for at least a couple of days. Their first night in the inn, Rand has a very creepy dream involving Balzaman, the Dark One. He wakes up from the dream and discovers that some of what has what happened in his dreams happened in the real world. Most importantly, several rats around the stag and lion have their backs broken. 
Despite the creepy dream and kind of building sickness, he feels, uh, Rand is determined to go out and explore the first city that he's ever been in. On the way out, though, he's interrupted by Min, who they met earlier. Min informs Rand of visions that she's seen around all of them, specifically some around Rand, and lets Rand know that they'll meet again. Rand is slightly unnerved by this, but doesn't let that stop him from setting out to explore Barillon, where he runs into Padden Fane, the peddler, who he last saw before Winter Night. Rand is surprised that Padden Fane is alive and well, although not that well, because he, he doesn't seem like he's in great shape. And Padden Fane very kind of frantically tells Rand, don't let the Aes Sedai know I'm here. A little weird. Uh, shortly after his encounter with Padden Fane, Rand runs into Matt again, and they get into some trouble with the Children of Light. After that close call, they return to the Sag and the Lion, where they meet up with Tom, and they talk a little bit about the creepy Dark One Balsamon dreams that they had. Rand, Matt, and Perrin all had the same dream. During this discussion, Perrin shows up at the end, cuts them off, and say, hey, we have to get back to the inn. Nynaeve followed us, and Moraine is uh, confronting her, or she's confronting Moraine, rather. So, quick recap, but a lot of stuff happens here. Kind of broken into three different parts, oddly. Yeah. And for once, Moraine is not the queen of exposition. I think that crown goes to Tom in this one. Yeah, he talks a whole lot. So much. So much of Which, to be fair, at least for him, it makes a lot of sense. He's a storyteller. Right. Instead of Moraine's story time, it's Tom's story time. Yeah, although there although, is a dose of Moraine's story time. Well, but that's more towards Egwene, which we don't hear a whole lot of. No, which I kind of like. I like that you get, like, snippets of her conversation. Like, Rand is not an untrustworthy narrator. Rand isn't wrong about what he sees, but he definitely doesn't see everything. But he also doesn't pretend like he does. Right. He's very open in saying, I have no idea what's going on here. Right. Which is trustworthy to a sense. It's like, basically, don't take my point of view as being the all-knowing point of view. Rand is just a shepherd. <laughs> he just wants to be with his sheep. And there's there's a line about it where he thinks that Egwene is, like, now getting tired of adventure because she chose it. Whereas Rand has been tired of it from the start because he had to do it. He didn't want to leave to begin with. Yeah, so I really like that line. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the whole, like, uh, in the audiobook, uh, Robert Jordan goes on a little bit about how part of the premise for this was what happens if, you know, the, like, random farm boy doesn't want to leave his village and go on an adventure. Because, like, so often, especially in fantasy pre-Wheel of Time, it's changed a little bit. But, uh, you know, classic fantasy, it's always, like, the farm boy's like, yeah, I'm going to leave and I'm going to do stuff. And it's always It's always the average girl or guy and they want to go and have, like, a big life. Yeah, but sometimes the average rural child is average and doesn't want to leave home forcefully. Yeah. And that's where Rand is. That's where Parrot is, too. It's not where Matt is now. Matt is like, I'm having a grand old time. I'm going to play some pranks in this big city. Being he kind of... Yeah, big mistake. But yeah, he's just having a grand old time. He's like, adventure? Cool. Can we go to more cities? And Rand and Parrot are just like, I want to go home. Yep. And with the, like, week that they've had, I kind of don't blame them. Yeah. Their, their week started out with being chased by a flying man-sized bat. Yep. Progressed to the sinking of a ferry under quote-unquote mysterious circumstances, which we will loop back to in just a second. And then the rest of it is just like, let's ride real slow. And finally we get to a city. Yep. They and like the city. They do like the city, but then also they all have this terrible dream. But if they all had that terrible dream, 
And they all probably had the first creepy dream, too, yeah. which we forgot to talk about last episode. We did. Uh, we talked about it after, and basically what Will told me was that it's all foreshadowing and to read and find out. Yes. Which was the third instance of that. Yes. The third of the read and find out counter. We need um, like a sound effect. We do need a sound effect. That was an off-camera yes. read and find out. It was. Now it's an official read and find out. Yeah. So Moraine sinks a boat. She does sink a boat, just casually. Just like... And we also find out that she's the one who caused the fog, too. Yeah. Like, all along the river for miles. And Tom has the audacity to be like, you couldn't have extended the fog any further. And she's just, like, proudly sitting there to land, being like, I just created so much fog. I haven't seen, like, six ice that I do that. Like, kind of, like, <laughs> pat me on the back, my warder friend. And Tom has the audacity to just be like, you couldn't have given us a little bit more cover? To be fair, Tom does... I think rather gracefully quickly walk that back. He's like, you're right. I'm sorry. And there's a, there's another funny moment that I caught when they're like lining up for the ferry. There's all this fog. And so they can't see the people who are approaching them. And when Master Hightower, the like ferry operator comes with his men to like operate the ferry, Lan is like, you guys should take out your weapons in case yeah, they this all is have bandits. this like, <laughs> it was just, I just pictured all of these like tiny little farm boys being like, look, I have a weapon. Okay. Well, tiny little farm boys and parent. <laughs> Oh, yeah, parent my zone is just a little bit terrifying. Like, you don't, like, like, even if you weren't, even if you just, like, if you knew he wasn't trained, you just see this, like, super jacked guy. It's like, parent, I can crush there. you with my thighs, Albir. Yeah. What is it? Not Albir. No, uh, his name is, oh, God, why? Parent Ibarra. Ibarra. Parent, I could crush you with my thighs, Ibarra. Yes. And regardless of the size of his thighs, he's jacked and has an axe. And I just, like, I don't care if he doesn't know how to use it. It's still a lump of metal attached to a stick wielded by a really strong guy. And he clearly, like, based on the size of his arms, he at least knows how to use it to chop wood. And right. if you can chop wood, you can chop heads. That's true. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so so there's this, and Lan is just like, take out your weapons. And the like men get there, and Tom does like a knife trick. <laughs> He's just like, look at me. Here's a knife. It's gone. Moraine is amused by it. <laughs> she is. She's like, aw, look at all my boys doing their tricks and stuff. <laughs> to be, to be Meanwhile, fair, I'm a sink of boat. Yeah, to be fair, I think at that moment, Tom is the third most dangerous person there. Because he has knowledge, which, and knowledge, he has knowledge is... knowledge, and, like, he does do, he, he, it's not, like, a simple flourish with a knife. He, like... Makes it appear out of nowhere, and then makes it re-disappear. Right, so clearly he knows how to hide knives, and sometimes he can probably hide knives in people. Yeah. But he also has knowledge, which, if Tyrion is to be believed, knowledge is the most powerful thing you can have. Mm, I drink maybe, and I know things. Maybe that says Tom does Westeros, have in... Tom does have kind of I drink and I know things vibes. Minus the drinking, because he doesn't drink very much. He doesn't have the weird cloak though, so I feel like he does have the weird cloak. He, he's got that eccentric I know things and tell a bunch of stories. He does. He and no a... one takes me. And no one takes me seriously. No one takes Tom seriously. I don't is... take Tom seriously either. That's fair. That's very fair. But yeah, so Moraine sinks this ferry, and then she's just like, oh no, your ferry sank. 
What a surprise. And Land's just like, oh, the horror. Here's some more money. Yeah, they just throw a lot of money at Prague. Like, they've, they gave this guy a lot of money up front, and then they gave him a lot of money on the back end, and then they sank his boat, and they're like, here's some more money. How much money do they have? Like, like it's coins. It has to weigh something. It's Land. I mean, Land's probably Land's pretty Land's pretty big. Not as big as Perrin. Not as big as Perrin. He's probably taller than Perrin. I feel like... Oh, well, maybe. I, in my head, Land's really tall. I mean, if you look at the um, book cover, it, land is a giant. <laughs> Rain's and, super small. Yeah, they're like two entirely different species. And then Nick Cage is just hanging out in the background. Rand, Nicholas Cage, <laughs> Althor. Rand, um, should, Rand feels like it's a nickname, but it isn't. Like, like it's just too short to be a full name. Well, like Matt is, is for Matrum. Yeah. It's just a dumb fucking name. I like Matrum as a name. <laughs> I know you like Matrum as a name. That's why you do a Matt cosplay. It's not It's not a dumb name. I swear. <laughs> anyway, after sinking this ferry casually, they're kind of like on the other end of the river, and Moraine just like turns to Egwene like, and is like, we need to talk. <laughs> we gotta have a talk now. And then they have like a girl's chat. Except. But not about what you think. Except in this universe, a girl's chat is going to be a I'm going to wreck the world chat where the boys chat is like, hey, do you want to just like go on an adventure? And I'm going to try to tell this story that Tom told, but I'm going to be really bad at it. Somehow it feels like the Emmonsfield boys get to hold on to their innocence in a much more real way than Egwene does. Well, women never get to hold on to their innocence, but that's a whole different that's a whole that's different fair. tangent that I'm not going to go on. That's fair. Um, Egwene does a better job at it, though. Egwene is still like the bewildered by all she's like amazed and enchanted by this adventure that they're going on and all of the boys are like and it's like it's no wonder i mean she chooses to get to go on this adventure she sneaks up on lan which she very quickly finds out is a thing that most people can't do so like pat herself on the back and then she watches someone sink a boat she watches someone create all this fog and then that same person tells her that oh, by the way, you have the powers to be me one day. Yup. I'd stop braiding my hair and be like Moraine too. I yeah. are, especially since, like, me personally, I want to do a Moraine cosplay. Moraine's a badass. Moraine like, is a badass. She's great. I want to be more, more like Moraine. Yeah. This kind of revelation does kind of spark a little bit of an argument, though. It does. Rand is not happy about it, and this no. is where there's some trouble in Paradise going on, and that's what really sparks it, and they're just... I have, mm, they need to have freaking conversation. I'll Oof. get to it later though. Like, <laughs> they just, they, they have this whole fight about why Egwene isn't braiding her hair anymore. And he's just like, you waited so long to be able to braid your hair and now you're not. And it's like, okay, braiding hair or doing magic? That's like, fair. I think, I think what he's trying to get at is that he doesn't want to see Egwene disappear into Aes Sedai. But he only, he doesn't know that that's what's going to happen. No. Because he only knows this one Aes Sedai. And to be fair, all of his knowledge about Aes Sedai doesn't even come from his experiences with Moraine. If it only, it count, it comes from stories. He's judged the book by its cover. Yeah. He's judged the book by all of these stories that he's heard about the Aes Sedai. Whereas if he based it off of his experiences with Moraine, he'd have nothing but good to say about the Aes Sedai, really. Except for the part where she was like, if it comes down to it, I'll kill you myself. I read that as I will destroy myself before that happens no she pretty pretty clearly is like i will kill you before i let the dark one have you i read that wrong because yeah. i was just like 
Moraine's going to sacrifice herself before. No, she will. She says that she will, you know, do whatever it takes. But she also adds on, if it takes killing you, I'm going to do that too. I mean, kind of fair though. Because after that, after that dream that Rand has where it's basically, you are the dragon incarnate, question mark. Yeah. I, yeah. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And especially, was that, was that, you are maybe the dragon, was that the first one or the, or the one in this section? I'm pretty What's, sure it was this one. I think it was this one because I was reading it and there was this whole line about Amarin, Amarlin? The Amarlin seat. The Amarlin seat will use you until you are consumed, just like, and it lists a whole bunch of people. Yep. One of which is Rowland Darkspain. Yeah, Rowland Darkspain. Um, which... Apparently is the name of the guy who's now toting himself to be the dragon, correct? No, Rowland no. Darkspain is old. The guy currently claiming to be the dragon is uh, Loghain. Okay, those names He's are Gildan. basic. Which I think Lan might know. I think Lan might know him. Okay. Rand also thinks that Lan might know him. I remember that being a line somewhere. He does... Because the way Lan said something, it sounded more like a personal vendetta than just like a yeah. you are the dragon incarnate vendetta. That's, that's fair. Although, I mean, at this point, Loghain has been rumored to have killed several Aes Sedai. And Lan is a warder. And there's clearly something going on between warders and Aes Sedai. So, like, it could just be a, hey, you're going around killing people I protect. That could be it. So, it goes on and lists a whole bunch of people who have been past false dragons. They're going to use Rand just like these past false dragons. Does that mean he is either a false dragon or the dragon? And because... Rand and Matt and Perrin all had the same dream. Is there some sort of like Trinity type shit going on? Like, are they all they... part? Like, is somehow the dragon actually three people? Is it more people? Because there's also Trollocs in another area. Saldea. Saldea. It is mentioned a couple times that that's not weird. Saldea is on the borderlands. Okay. Um, that's like around where Land is from. Land is a is a borderlander. And Lan is like, yeah, of course there are Trollocs in Saldea. That's like, you know, cows being in the two rivers. Uh, it's just, that's where Trollocs are. No Borderlander is surprised about a Trolloc. That's fair. I just wonder that there is specifically these Trollocs going to the two rivers for these three people. How do we know that there's not other towns and other places That's fair. looking for the chosen one? Very fair. I think it is interesting because before this, we don't really have, we kind of we get like side glances at it because uh, Rand, Matt, and Perrin are the ones who are really being stalked by the Murdral. Um, but it's not really clear that like that first dream Rand had was shared. And this one, it's clear that all three of the boys had the exact, like, the exact same thing happened in all of their dreams. They said in the dream they were face-to-face -face with Balzaman, the Dark One, who, you know, claimed that they were going to be used by the Aes Sedai in the Armalyn Sea and broke a rat's back, like, telekinetically. There was also offering of wine, which I'm pretty sure was probably blood. That's... Uh, well, that would make sense. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of references. Mm -hmm. uh, this this chapter also has a lot of, like, symbolism references. And he was offered Symbolism. A... Yes. Uh, to say nothing of the stone. Did you get the reference with the stone? The stone of tear? The stone of tear. No, I didn't get that. There's a sword there. Oh, something about the sword that's... The sword that, that can't be touched. The sword that can't be touched. And the stone yeah. of tear. Yeah. It's, so... it's us. So another reference to Arthur. Yeah. Because there was one it, of the The first... sword of the stone. It's the sword and the stone. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I mean, I know not all Arthurian legends. Lawns and pawns. Yeah. 
Um, I know <laughs> Does not... not make a form of government. What was that? Oh, I don't remember the quote. It's Py- It's Python, though. Python. Yeah, it's, you know, maybe kind of Excalibur, even though that's not always what the Sword in the Stone is in Arthurian legend. No. Usually two different swords. Yeah. Because Excalibur comes from the Lady in the Lake. But Tyr is a land of lakes and, like, rivers and shit. Soggy old blondes with their backsides and palms. That's the first part of it. I don't know. I don't remember that quote. It's from um, Spamalot. Spamalot. Okay. I'm a theater kid. But yeah, so creepy old dream, symbolism. A lot of the information that we get from that dream, we also have got a little bit previously, like mentions of it came previously from Tom's stories. Because he talks about a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Well, he talks about Hawkwing, uh, and the Dark One goes on a rant at the end about, like, Rand can't es- you know, Rand or Matt or Perrin. We're seeing it from Rand's perspective, though. You know, you can't escape. I was there thousands of years ago. I made lose Theron sane and made him turn, well, and then he's turned into a volcano. He made Volcano Man. He made Volcano Man. And then he was like, I sent Trollocs south 2,000 years ago, and then I corrupted Arthur Hawkwing. Balsamon is just like, by the way, all these shitty things that happened throughout history, that was me. What makes you think, random farm boy, that you can escape. Which, fair. Everyone just keeps reminding him that he's a random farm boy. No one less so than Nin, who I swear says it every other sentence. She did. She said it a whole lot. She also, I do not want that woman to read my aura, my palm, my tarot cards. I want her no? nowhere, I want her nowhere near any of it. Like, She'd I don't, be very accurate. I don't want to know. Like, I don't want her reading my, hor- even my horoscope. Like, I don't want any of it. Like, That's stay fair. away from all, I'd rather die not knowing any sort of <laughs> thing that she has to yes, say because she, she has a lot of visions she has a lot of visions one of which makes me sad that rand and Egwene aren't meant to be but also like fair because if they just keep avoiding having this stupid fucking conversation that they need to have of course they're not going to work out like so rand they get to the city where they meet men the first time and rand does some thinking in a bath you know like one does because it baths and showers are a great place to do all of your profound thinking and so he's like okay maybe i should apologize to Egwene. and then he sees Egwene after all they they've all had their baths and she gives him the cold shoulder because she doesn't know that he's about to apologize from what she's operating under he's just gonna yell at her again for not braiding her hair which like it's her hair dude just calm down <laughs> so she's just like giving him the cold shoulder and he's like fine if that's how we're gonna play it so if they don't have a conversation of course they're not gonna work out no like i like idiots to lovers as much as the next person but like this at some point the idiocy has got to stop and you gotta have a conversation yeah just love each other both of them have gotten hit by the idiot stick a little bit here rand has been hit with the idiot stick multiple times and i think it's starting to do some damage because him and Egwene is not the only instance of him being an idiot in this passage because he also confronts the white cloaks the children of the light and it's like what are you gonna do he's like look i have a heron sword i don't know how to use but you think i do yeah and so the the white cloaks are like grr we're angry i mean their names the term people call them is white cloaks that's just not good imagery no (laughs) for good for pretty good reason and they're just like, why are you just a shitty little farm boy? Basically, this guy's they're, whole yeah, argument is... Yeah, they're all just is, like, you're a shitty little farm boy, aren't you? Yeah. Like, that's this guy's whole argument. And then eventually, 
the town watch is like, what are you doing? And Matt's just like, you've lost it. What is happening? Yeah, because it, it, it's kind of uncharacteristic for Rand. Yeah. Like, Rand Rand gets out of this dream feeling bad because he didn't get a good night's sleep, and he runs into Perrin, and Perrin also didn't have a good night's sleep. But it's clear that something else is going on with Rand here. Yeah, he's like, maybe I have the flu. He's like... What is going on but here? But then he's got the crazy flu. Yeah. Because, like, it moves from, like, him feeling bad to him feeling reckless. Right, because he, he comments on himself saying that, like, normally he would stop Matt from pulling this sort of prank. But now he's just right. like, well, I'm going to see what's going to happen. Right, we didn't actually go over what the prank was. We did not. So he pulls some kind of half Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Because he like scales it's a building. Pretty impressive, to be honest. And then knocks a whole bunch of barrels to go down the street. They go down the street at the White Cloaks. Yeah. And then the Which, White like, Cloaks are Both like... of them, or both of them got hit with the idiot stick there. Okay, no. Matt... Matt, Matt didn't get hit with the idiot stick. Matt, Matt is just an idiot. Like, you have to not be an idiot to be hit with the idiot stick. I guess fair, but I feel like... I love Matt, though. I know you love Matt. Matt for life. <laughs> Are you a Matt simp? No. <laughs> Matt is too flawed, unlike Moraine, who is unflawed in, in every way. He just loves Moraine. Okay, so I feel like Matt would at least have the common sense to not basically roll he... barrels towards a bunch of white cloaks, which are kind of racists because they don't like the... I said I. They really don't like I said I. They're basically Death Eaters. Sort of, except they don't do magic themselves. But, like, they're coded. They're like the, same the way. people of Salem. They do not like witches. Puritans. They're Puritans. Hate That's the Puritans. what they are. Uh, but at least Matt has the common sense to, like, slingshot down the, like, things supporting the barrels, but then he gets out of there. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Rand's just standing in the middle of the street laughing at these people who are armed and hostile. Like, ha ha ha, look at you idiots. You got some barrels thrown at you. Right. And, like, that would be a stupid move if he wasn't, one, traveling with an Aes Sedai, and two, being hunted by the thing that these people also are hunting because the white cloaks don't like Aes Sedai but they also don't they are so anti the dark one that they think Aes Sedai are agents of the dark one which kind of makes sense you know it's easy to see how you could get there because because everyone thinks that the Aes Sedai broke the world even though all Aes Sedai broke the world even though it was just the men who were driven insane which we learn from Moraine's story time with Gwen that Rand eavesdrops on a little bit that's kind of impressive actually Moraine either didn't notice or he wasn't obvious enough for her to call out i feel like given the or she wanted him to know that information maybe but that's not because if she uh, moraine probably just didn't care enough and knew that if, if she called him out then it would have just sparked a fight between him and Egwene. maybe counterpoint several times now the inhabitants of the two rivers have displayed quite good tracking and sneaking skills Honestly, I think part of it is that they just, Lan and Moraine don't think much of these people, so they let their guard down. And so they could be just displaying average tracking skills, and Lan really is just... (laughs) They're backwoods fuckers. They're backwards. (laughs) They're just like, ah, these backwards fuckers. With one exception. There is one notable exception at the end of this segment where Nynaeve tracked them. And Lan's just like, I did a good job hiding our tracks. And she's just like... I tracked with my father growing up. And he's like, he must have taught you well because you did a real good job. And then she blushes, which is cute. 
just like it's just a humanizing moment for Nynaeve and Nynaeve, I'm just like whose, whose personality so far has been anger and braids and it's just like aw you're cute you're blushing now like yeah. you do have feelings <laughs> you have human emotions you have human emotions you, you don't have three modes which is healing anger and braid tugging <laughs> those are those are the three genders healing <laughs> anger and braid tugging <laughs> Yeah, Nynaeve is a character. Because she shows up and she's like, Ah, you stole some children. Why are you kidnappers? Ah. But they're like, they're like 17. But like, at least one of whom, parent, is like, not reporting him missing. Right. Tam's just like, Leave him alone. Yeah. Let him go do his thing. Tam's the best. Like, no one has reported these children missing. Because if they are 17, I mean, that is still technically... Like, you can report adults missing. If they've been reported missing, I can understand. Yeah, but this is... Nynaeve is kind of like cop. This is medieval times. Well, like, the town collectively came together and reported these kids missing, and re- or reported these people missing, whether they were kids or not. Yeah. And so, like, Nynaeve is, I guess, the cop, but also the nurse, and she is, like, the only person in this town that has authority. But Nynaeve was just like, I don't care what they end up saying, I'm gonna go after them anyway, because she tells Moraine and Land that the village council sent her after them but really when when she talks to rand later she's just like yeah i just left on my own because it was going to take them too long narnie is a very interesting person and we learn a little bit more about tam too what's your picture of tam here now i just want to know more about tam i think i actually wrote that in all caps somewhere in my outline oh right because we're teaching when land is teaching rand about the flame and the void he says that he already knew about it because of tam and so I'm like, is Tam, was Tam a warder? I just want to know more about Tam. Yeah, we also learned, so Tam, uh, Tam did two things. He taught Rand about the flame and the void. And he also was just like, Rand's not missing. What are you talking about? But then also at the very end, Nynaeve is like, much like you're doing now, Tam left the two rivers for adventure. Well, and we kind of knew that because he had an outlander wife. He had to right. have either left the two rivers. Or she had to go there. Or that she had to go there. But I don't, like... I think the picture that Tam has painted to the town is that he just went, like, a couple towns over and found a wife. But, like, that's clearly not what happened. Okay, I don't... That's at least the the general picture of it is that, like, it could, he doesn't really say a lot about how he found his wife. But it is plausible that he could have just gone a few towns over and she was in the... Like, I don't... Right. I think it's very clear that his wife had not come to the Two Rivers before then. Right. But they could have met in a neighboring town and then... She decided, like, she was traveling, he was traveling. She's got Rand's red hair, though. She does. Still not, (laughs) still not his biological parents. Okay, okay. I was gonna check in on that. Okay, the Jon Snow flags are flying off the handle. It's like, Tam just comes back to town with a baby and says it's his son. Okay, Ned Stark. He comes back with, he he doesn't just come back with a baby, though. He comes back with a baby and his wife. Who, the baby and the wife definitely come from the same town because they have the same visual and hair and build, like skin tone. It all seems that, it. basically, like in the first description we got of Rand, it's like, you look exactly like your mother, except you have the build of your father which yeah. like you're a farmer so of course you end up developing the build of your father right because I mean, sir, I'm farmers sure, i'm sure perrin doesn't have the same build as his father because he black he's man. a blacksmith he's a blacksmith his father's not a blacksmith although is perrin genetic is perrin's tankiness genetic or did he just get all did he get swole on his own yeah i want to know more about perrin too he's just yeah. like is I this mean, slowly going to become a just a perrin podcast we just talk about perrin the entire time maybe <laughs> Parent and Tam. <laughs> I'm not overly against it. 
But yeah, I just want to know more about Tam. Because, like, was he a warder? Because if he knew the flame, or is the flame and the void just well known between amongst anyone who does sword-like things? And my other question, now that I'm thinking about warders, if Egwene's gonna be an Aes Sedai, who's gonna be her warder? That's a good question. Like, do you just get randomly assigned one? Are you born a warder? Or do you get to choose to be a warder? Okay, good questions. I, I can't answer them because that would be spoilers. But good question. <laughs> so, like, if she can choose, is she going to choose one of her friends? Because, like, if I had to make some sort of bond, and mm-hmm. I don't know how, I don't know how the bond works both ways, but clearly there is some sort of emotional connection between an Sedai and her warder. Right. If I'm gonna just, <clears throat> it's almost like a marriage. That's a good way to think about it. So whether there's any hanky panky going on on the side, I don't know. Do you think Lan and Moraine are getting it on? I don't think they are, but I really do hope they are. Okay. <laughs> Like, I really hope they are. Just just, just noting that for the future. I also kind of, like, I either hope that Moraine and Lan are getting it, on, getting it on, or that Moraine is just some, like, big, strong lesbian. That would be great. Okay. I mean, she does live in an island full of women, it is, so. It is Vagina Island. Yeah, Will showed me a picture of the island. It's it, it's, an, it's it's a vagina. Straight up shaped like a vagina. It's a vagiland. It's a it's an island in between two rivers. It's a vagiland. It's got a big like circular harbor at the top. Don't think I need to explain what that is. <laughs> well, you probably do to some people. I hope not. <laughs> some people don't know what that is. That's that's entirely up to them. I'm not going to. Well, I I, I no, I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> Here we talk only about Parane Barra's thighs, nothing else. <laughs> oh. I mean, how do we even come back from that? I don't know. Let's, let's just take a hard turn and talk about the One Power, because we learn a, a little bit more about the One Power again. That actually is a good segue, because the Aes Sedai Vigiland <laughs> to the thing that they all do. Yeah. The One Power. Yes. Sidar specifically. Moraine's story times are pretty much entirely centered around being an Aes Sedai. Yeah. Uh, she goes into a little bit about how the male Aes Sedai, who were the ones who broke the world, they weren't evil, they were just insane. They were driven insane. And we get a lot of that at the prologue. Like, yeah. The, like, counter-strike from the Dark One when the male Aes Sedai went to defeat him. We also get a little bit more of a picture on how that went down in not crazy terms. Yeah, Egwene is under the impression, and Moraine seems to have something to say about it, but doesn't say anything about it. But Egwene's definitely under the impression that the male Aes Sedai were the one who let the Dark One out from his prison. But what we learn from the dream is that he was never in a prison, if the dream is to be believed. That's true. Because he said, like, Rand, whole, the whole point, Rand said, like, you were caged, and he's like, I was You and caged. all the Forsaken were sealed in Sheogul. And he's like, no, I wasn't. It's like, you can't chain me. Now, uh, Volcano Man really fucked up. Yeah, he did. Not only did he not imprison the Dark One, he turned into a volcano after killing all of his family. After the Dark One told him to kill his family. That part yeah. wasn't made clear in the prologue. It's clear yeah. now. Yeah. At least if the Dark One's to be believed. Which, he is the father of lies. Yeah. So he may not have, he may have been imprisoned the whole time. Maybe maybe dreams are the only way he can touch the world. Possibly. He could be lying about it. He lies about a lot of stuff. He does lie. But um, it seems like, 
all good liars base their lies in truth. Yeah. So I tend to believe a bit of what he is saying. That's fair. But yeah, the male Aes Sedai who broke the world weren't evil. They were just insane. And she kind of goes on to say that, like, Aes Sedai aren't this, like, fully mystical... They're, we're not, like, mystical beings. We're humans. She says that she'd only trust about half the Aes Sedai in Tarval in any way. Yeah. So, like, clearly there's some, like internal politics going on with the Aes Sedai. There was also this whole thing, um, because they were talking about the five powers, and I think Moraine says something about how the men usually channel earth and fire. Yeah. And the women usually have water and wind, and Egwene's like, oh, the men get all the strong ones. And Egwene's kind of, or Moraine's kind of like, air snuffs out a fire. Right. Water can wear down earth. Right. Those are the strong, they are the more fluid ones, but they're the stronger of them. She, I don't think specifically says that they're stronger. She just points out that Egwene is thinking about it wrong. That none of the powers are inherently stronger than any of the other ones. You just think that. And and what she says is uh, men are usually born stronger, men who can channel the one power are usually born stronger in earth and fire. And women who can channel the one power are usually stronger in wind and water. It's it's a little, I mean, there's like some some gender stuff going on here, right? Because you got the like, the earth and fire, the men, wind and water is the women. Well, those are the masculine elements and the feminine elements are wind and water. And then there's spirit, which is kind of just like a, a gendered. Yeah, and spirit is particularly rare. I don't know if they say that, but it feels not that weird to say that I now. mean, if you're basing it off of any sort of... If you're just basing it off of magical system lore, yeah, spirit tends to be more rare. Right. Like, that's how... If there's... If you read any fantasy that has elemental alignments, spirit's rare. Yeah. And and one thing, kind of with the Wheel of Time's magic system, is that there there are actual numbers involved in strength rankings for various channelers. Strength rankings, uh, unless they're way different, don't usually matter. Is it kind of like weight classes in wrestling? Um, a little less so. Where like if you're in a, you can be in a group, but like if you're three pounds heavier than someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be stronger than them. It just, you're just in the same weight class. Um, the way it it works kind of behind the scenes is that men, men can be stronger than women. They have like six extra levels of strength. But that doesn't mean that the strongest man and the strongest woman in the one power aren't evenly matched. It's just how they use their power. There's just more steps for them to get to that highest level of power. That's how um, I'm understanding it. So, yeah, I don't know how much to tell you about strength and the one power here. I'm sure I'll either figure it out or it won't matter. Yeah, it, it will be pretty clear what strength in the one power is. And that one power, Moraine mentions that someone else in the two rivers has yes. that possible power. And Egwene is immediately, like, listing off. Egwene immediately lists off a whole bunch of people that we've never heard of. And I'm like, your first thought isn't the wisdom. <laughs> when Moraine literally just told you that people who don't know they can channel the one power oh, yeah. end up becoming wisdoms, you didn't, like, you bring that, like, my money's on the other person you, you being think, naive. Okay, you think especially, especially because of what Min says when she goes on her whole tangent about the weird symbolism uh-huh. of people. Again, I don't want that woman reading my aura. Hmm. But she reads the whole group's aura, and they have, like, this kind of lightning, buzzing, fire 
around them and she's like you're all connected i can see the connections between you in the air right. and when Nynaeve comes she's like the connection between you all is stronger she's involved in this somehow yeah. and so like what connects all these people the dark power the Aes Sedai it would be weird if Nynaeve was somehow connected to this and doesn't channel some sort of magic okay that kind of leads me to another question do you think any of the boys or Tom can channel We've had zero evidence of it so far. We've had really. zero evidence. I don't think Tom can because he's old and if he could, he'd already be insane in a volcano. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> to me, it doesn't matter if it's actually true. All yeah. men who have channeled... Turn into a volcano. Turn into a volcano. Okay. All volcanoes in this world were once crazy men. Okay. In- interesting theory. <laughs> hot take. Ha. Very hot. Um... <laughs> Um, that was was my little drum thing, because we don't have sound effects. I excluded Lan from that grouping, because Lan is an Aes Sedai's warder. Right, he doesn't count. Um, I don't think Tom does, because he'd already be insane. Okay. I think part of me thinks that maybe the boys can, because any, if the what's-its-face is going to use them up just like it used all the previous dragons, Mm -hmm. then that means that they could be a dragon, which means that they would be able to channel. Okay. So I'm not against it, but... Okay. Not all false dragons could channel. It's mentioned a couple times that... But the true dragon would be able to. Yes. Luz Theron could, quite strongly, if he was able to turn himself into a large volcano. Right. So Um, if the Trollocs are after them, it is because they think that he could be the dragon. He? They. Okay. Like, okay. If because they're all having the same same things happen to right. Them. I think just more if the dark one is going to be after a person because they think that he can be the dragon. That person probably can channel. Yeah. Okay. Because we don't know much about the other false dragons except that they just claimed that they were a false dragon. But right, the dark one seems to be seeking out these boys. Yes, definitely true. Because they are sending he is, he is sending uh, quite a few angry creatures at him. You said this a little earlier, why you think Nynaeve can channel. Moraine goes into a little bit about why they end up as wisdoms. And it's because, uh, well, not, not why, more how. Women who, can, who are born with the ability to channel, if they don't learn how to control it somehow, usually die. Yeah, and it seems like being a wisdom somehow unknowingly channels that. Okay. It kind of, now that you said that, it kind of feels like Credence in Harry Potter. What's he? Because he didn't use his magic. An Obscurus. An Obscurus. It kind of seems like... Obscurial? Obscurial. Obscurial, Obscurus. Well, one is the, like, evil creature, and one is the person who is the host for the evil creature. I think Obscurus is the evil creature, yeah. but... So Credence is an Obscurial. Right. So Credence didn't use his magic, and therefore it built up in him into being an Obscurus. And most people who have an Obscurus in them die. It okay. seems kind of similar to that. Okay. Whereas, like, the magic will just build up and turn you into a volcano whether you want to or not. Okay. But because they're women, they don't turn into a volcano. They just combust somehow. Cause, cause... They can either choose to combust like that one lady did who destroyed an entire town, or yep. you do it by accident because you just blow up. Yep. Okay. Interesting take. Um, but it I, seems I like somehow being a wisdom doesn't channel it in the way that it's meant to, but it channels it enough that it keeps you from dying. Okay. It's like an amateur thing. Yeah. Okay. Like, because uh, it feels like a lot of the wisdoms don't know that they can channel this. They just know that they're specialer than a normal person. So they're right. like... Especially in the two rivers where they, they kind of don't like Aes Sedai. So they wouldn't have... They wouldn't enjoy 
or they wouldn't necessarily tolerate somebody who could do the same things being like the head of their women. Right. It's kind of like if you can do magic and you like and you didn't know you could do magic doing sleight of hand tricks. You're you're probably actually making those things disappear. Just people think it's a sleight of hand trick. Right. Oh. Maybe Tom can. Oh, maybe. <laughs> He does a lot of sleight of hand and juggles. Maybe, maybe that is his version of being a wisdom. Okay. Except he's not crazy. Well, he's a little crazy. But he's is he crazy or is he just a cantankerous old man? I oh, I get cantankerous old man vibes off of him more than I get crazy. That's fair. And not even that. Like, like the cantankerous old man vibes make sense. While we're on Tom, he does mention some things, which I know you're not going to tell me anything about, but I feel like I have to mention them for anyone who's reading along. He talks about the great hunt of the horn and yes. the horn of Valir. Yep. I'm assuming that we'll get more about this because the next book is called The Great Hunt, right? That is the title of the next book. <laughs> and then he talks about the Carithion cycle. Carithion cycle. Say that one more time. Carithion cycle. Carithion cycle and the prophecies of the dragon. That is the prophecies of the dragon. Okay, cool. That's that's where we get the sword and the stone, literally. Yeah, the stone of tear and the sword that cannot be touched. Does the sword that can might not be touched have anything to do with the sword that is not a sword that men saw around Rand? Maybe. Okay. I will neither confirm nor deny. Either. Read and find out. There's number four. Shaking my head. So while we're talking about men's visions, there are several. Do we? Yep. we let's let's go through them and see what you think they're going to be. Okay. Mostly just the, the like iconographic ones. So Lan has ruined towers. And a babe in a cradle holding a sword. Yes, what do you think those are? I feel like a babe in the cradle holding a sword is some sort of analogy to Rand. Okay. So, like, Lan is going to be teaching Rand how to do. Okay. I don't know about the ruined towers. There's a whole lot of towers going on, because there's also the White Tower, which is are surrounded by Tom. But the White Tower doesn't seem like a good thing, because that's where the... Oh, the Aes Sedai. That's where the... Oh, is that where the Aes Sedai are? Yeah. Because I thought that... Because there was that creepy dream that we didn't talk about last episode, where he was going to the White Tower, and yeah. there was, like, a murder Yeah. Is that Tarvalin? I think that was Tarvalin. Okay. I'm just... I don't do symbolism all that well. Perrin has a wolf... A broken crown and flowering trees. The wolf reminds me of Lan. Okay. A little bit because he was described as looking like a wolf. Yes, and also like several different slabs of stone. And I guess Perrin has thighs of stone and arms <laughs> of stone. <laughs> Maybe we should have a counter for how many times we talk about Perrin's thighs. It's like five at least this episode alone. <laughs> Matt has a red eagle and That's eye. That's a bunch. Yeah, not as many as Rand. Um, a dagger with a ruby and a laughing face. A horn, which is probably the horn of Valir. Valir, I feel okay. like. Okay. So maybe the next book is going to be centered on Rand. I have no idea what's happening. Um, a laughing face. I mean, he plays a whole bunch of pranks, so I feel like that one's kind of. He's a trickster. He's a trickster. Um, not all of them have to be terrible. No. Um, no. Rand. Matt's even like a red eagle. A horn? A dagger with a ruby? Cool. I'm a little bit sus on the eye on a balance scale thing, but <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Okay. That's, that's Rand's whole thing, and I feel like it's refreshing to have, I feel like everyone needs a Rand, or everyone needs a Matt in their party. Okay. And maybe that's what the laughing face is, too. 
Like, you Maybe. are the relief. He's comic relief. He's the comic relief in the group. Rand has a sword that isn't a sword, a golden crown of laurel leaves, a beggar's staff, him pouring water on sand, hot iron, three women standing over his funeral byre, black bloody rock, and then that's when he's like, okay, you don't have to list all of it. And then she's like, and most of all, I see lightning. Just a bunch of lightning. Just a bunch of lightning coming out of you, around you. Going towards going you. Going towards you. Just all kinds of lightning. Yep. Which, like, I don't know. Okay, so so you've got nothing on any of that. I. You you think the sword that isn't a sword might be the sword that can't be touched, or it's a reference to his heron sword, which is clearly not just. It's not just a sword. It's not just a sword. It's, it's a heron sword. It's a heron sword. He picked it up and was like, "This is just a sword," but clearly it's fancier than that because it doesn't dull. No. People look at it and go, why do you have that? I feel like... Several people here. Yeah, several people here. So people... It's clearly not just a sword. Yeah. Okay. And And with visions, things aren't... Like, she may be saying these things, but it could just... Like, there's symbolism within symbolism within symbolism, which is why I hate symbolism. It could not be literally a sword that isn't a sword. It could be something that represents... It could be like a battle that isn't a battle or... Or, or it could just be, it, it could be a sword that isn't just a sword. Like, okay. there could be words missing. Okay. Um, it's like when you read tarot cards, and it's like, just because you flip death doesn't mean you're going to die. Okay, cool. Three women standing over his funeral buyer does not sound all that good. No. Because she does say it's his. Yeah, and there's a black bloody rock, which my brain immediately was like, oh, those two were listed next to each other, so maybe someone bludgeoned him, and now he's... <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> but he's also got a golden crown of leaves, which has very Julius Caesar vibes. It does. And Matt had a dagger with a ruby, so like... So I know... And two Brutus. Like, what's happening here? I know what almost all of these are. Of course you do. I am not entirely sure what the beggar's staff is. I don't know if that is just me forgetting because it's a 14 book long series. Is that what you were looking up earlier? No, I was looking up something completely different. Okay. We were outlining and he told me not to look over at his computer. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure what the beggar staff is. That's the only one. Tom obviously juggles things, so juggling fire. Yeah. Oh, you didn't actually do Tom. So he has juggling fire and the white tower. Yeah. Juggling fire. Okay. Uh, It could be more of an illusion that Tom is able to channel channel magic. Could be. Especially with that with the White Tower. But even Min is like, his don't make sense. Right. So either he has a connection to the Aes Sedai or he is an Aes Sedai, which... That'd be a little weird. There are no male Aes Sedai anymore. Right. They're all, because they're, they're all crazy and turn into volcanoes. Right. It could be not all of them are things that will happen. For one thing, some of them are things that might happen. Some of them are things that just like truths. Yeah. Um, I think she says something about Moraine. She doesn't give anything about Moraine. She just says she sees a lot around Moraine that she also saw around Egwene, but the only indication she gives about Egwene is that her and Rand aren't going to work out. Right. But she doesn't say anything about Egwene and Moraine, which I found interesting. Okay. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be that weird, I feel like, for Moraine to have been like, hey. Don't tell people my aura. Don't tell people. (laughs) But I feel like if it, and like it, Min seems it should have extended to land too. Would it? Unless it's like I don't know, because if maybe it's just she doesn't know enough. Maybe it's just Aes Sedai auras that she's so fuzzy on that she's not willing to say it out loud. Could or be. maybe there's a pack that she's not supposed to say an Aes Sedai's thing, but it's fine for a warder. I have no yeah. idea. Okay, uh, and the last bit is that visions could be the past. Also true. Clearly, at least three of the people here have seen some shit. 
So who knows what's from their past, what's from their present, and what's from their future. Right, because Tom is an old guy and has traveled around the world. Right, and he's he's good at sleight of hand. Maybe he's so good at sleight of hand that he can confuse even this, like, aura reader. Yeah. I do not want that woman reading my aura. Do, do you not like men? I don't not like her. Okay, you just She's, don't want her reading your aura. I just don't want her reading my aura. I'm just like, That's fair enough. You're cute and nice and all, and you're a little weird. She's very tomboyish. But... But stay away from my aura. Yeah. It's already, there's already some stuff going on in my aura. I don't (laughs) want your aura touching my aura. That's fair. One last bit before our, I'm going to say two segments because I'm going to throw one at you. We run into Pat and Fane again, who is a hot mess. Who was maybe dead before. People didn't see him. His cart was on fire. People were like, he's dead. Yeah, I think my specific note there was uh, Rand finds Pad and Fane, and he's a hot mess. That was what I wrote down. Yeah, he's like in rags, a little out of his mind. And he's very, very insistent that Rand does not tell Moraine that Pat and Fane is there. Also, Rand, you literally were just yelled at by like five different people that you shouldn't talk about Moraine as Moraine. Yeah, what the fuck, Rand? What the fuck, Rand? Rand gets hit with the idiot stick a lot in this part. He... Yeah. Because, like, the two parts before, he's, like, pretty, pretty level-headed. Except when it comes to Egwene. Except when it comes to Egwene. But there's a little bit of understanding there. But, like, they're idiots to lovers, so it's fine. Yeah, and they're not, like, he's not, like, that much of an idiot. It's just a little bit of an idiot. Right. It's, like, the, it's the, he's, like, an idiot pining kind of idiot. Not, like, a truly, like, what the fuck are you Not, like, a provoking white cloaks idiot. Yeah. But, yeah, Pat and Vane being real weird. He's being real shady. He was shady before. Didn't like him before. Now, I mean, he's like a traveling merchant. They're kind of inherently a little shady. Hey, he does. I think maybe I just didn't trust him because of, like, the Pirelli vibes. Just like. Yeah. I also didn't. That's why I didn't trust the stories he was spinning at first. Because, like. We've gotten several of those confirmed, basically. Now we have. All the Loghain stuff seems to be true, if maybe blown out of proportion here or there. Because nobody's told the same thing twice. But, I mean, it's hearsay. No one writes anything down. So, like, we're not even sure that Rand. No, Rand does know how to read. So I would assume he knows how to write. It's, It's a weirdly literate medieval society. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that that up before I move to the second to last segment, which is uh, ship updates. How, how are the ships? <laughs> the ships. Um, one stuck in the Suez Canal again. <laughs> it's not looking good for Rand and Egwene. No, we basically have kind of like semi-word of God saying they ain't gonna make it. But they're both real stubborn though, so maybe they'll stubborn. maybe they'll just fight through it. Just, and like she said, not everything I say comes true. And and right now, cause so I really do. I've said it before. I said the phrase before: idiots to lovers. Mm-hmm. That what it really means is it's a shortened version of pining idiots to lovers. The love was always requited. They're just idiots. So they're kind of like at the okay. beginning, it was very clearly in this state of they both like each other. Yeah. They don't think that the other person likes them, or they know, but they're still being dumb about it. I think it's the latter. I think now it's very clear that they do, but they're still being dumb. So it's like in that like that moment, if you read books and you're just like, oh my god, just kiss already and get it over with. I'm at that part. Mm, okay. But like. I don't hate being at that part or else I wouldn't read romance. Yeah. Because that happens a lot where you're just like, oh my God, stop. Yep. Yep. But then then they do. You're just like, oh, yay. Okay. So Rand and Egwene kind of kind of in rough waters. Rough waters. Uh, any any new ships? I don't think so. We haven't really. Okay. We just, we encountered several new characters here. 
or, or re-encounter really. old characters. Um, well, mostly men. Mostly men. Nynaeve showed back up. Men kind of just strikes me as either, like, it all looks the same in the dark, or I don't want anyone near me in the dark. Either one. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm kind of sad that Maureen and Land didn't share a room. Also, why did Rand not share a room with Matt and Perrin? That like, was, I, I, I saw that, and I was like, why? Why isn't he sharing a room with his friends? Like, have the boys sleep in one room, and the older men sleep in the other. <laughs> yeah. Don't just, like, randomly have one 17-year-old boy in a room with, like, somebody who's, like, in his late 50s and somebody who's in his late 40s. Which, like, then it makes sense that, like, why Moraine and Egwene had to share a room because then, like, Egwene would have to share a room with one of these men and that's... No. Well, I don't think there was a scenario where that could have happened because, like, either the the room configurations would have had to be, because they got three rooms, Mm -hmm. it would have had to be... If it was Moraine and Lan in one room, either Tom sleeps on his own. Obviously, the one I would have wanted is Moraine and Lan in one room, mm-hmm. Rand and Egwene in another room, and then everyone okay. else just go on their own. Okay. And Matt probably finds some village or some town girl to go like. <laughs> that is that is uh, in line with Matt's personality. He's like, I'm in a city. I'm gonna, that is the that is the fanfic version of that night that I will never write. Ah, okay. Cool. <laughs> that is the ship update. Rand and Egwene, a night in the end. The stag and lion. Anyway, last bit, last segment. Uh, favorite moments. I think we have, both have the same favorite moments here. I think we do. Um, we both picked immediately the first one, which was the Marine. Oh no, your boat sank. What a strange course of events that I had no part in. What a pity. <laughs> Like, the, the very much, and then Lan's follow-up of, oh no. So the other bit, so the, there is Moraine's, like, your boat sank. So weird. I didn't do it. And then our other favorite moment, which came up as we were doing the it's summary like entirely today. a throwaway moment. Uh, they're in, Rand wakes up after his creepy dream in The Stag and the Lion, and goes downstairs and overhears a conversation about the, like, cook's cat having killed a bunch of rats in, like, a gruesome way. You know, their backs are broken, like like in the dream. And the cook, Sarah, basically is like, my cat is the best. How dare you criticize my cat? I'm going to leave now and take my cat with me. Thank you very much. Carrying on that same trend of, I hope you enjoy your own cooking, because I'm not going to do it for you anymore. Right, at least here, like, she's an employee. Yeah. But in order to get the cook, Sarah, to stay, the in keeper is like there's no need for this no need what could i what would i do without you siri the cat siri is a fine cat an excellent cat he's the best cat in Berlon. if ever, if anyone else complains i'll tell them to be thankful the cat is doing his job yes thankful and so the there's like a full page of this argument about keeping a cat who's just the best cat in Berlon, and I think that's he a great... is the best cat in Berlon. Uh, he he's is. just doing his job. Although he's killing the mice. I don't, I don't think he killed the rats. No, he didn't kill these rats, but he has been killing the. Ra- Let's. The woman goes on the whole point. It's like you're complaining about he's been killing all the rats previously. What do you want me to leave? Take my cat, and you'll just have rats and then no food. Like. <laughs> Yep. It's just a whole mood that she went on for a page and a half about how awesome her cat is. And she's, like, ready to go. And she is. I mean... I get it. Yeah. If someone said anything about Stanley or Wink... I'd leave. I'd leave. I'd take my cat and go home. (laughs) It's the quintessential, I'm taking my toys and going home. Yeah, except it's my cat and I get to love them. Yeah. Yeah. So those are our favorite moments. Uh, We leave off at kind of a weird spot. It kind of leaves off with 
naive being like, okay, I see why you guys had to come with Moraine, but I'm going to stay now too, even though I should go back and be wisdom. It's left up. It was very much a, it's kind of a cliffhanger of like what's happening, but not enough that it made me tempted to turn the page. Right. Like there's, there's a whole bunch of setup here and it doesn't leave off. The end of chapter 16 isn't like a, I need to find out what happens next. It's just like, there's a whole bunch to find out next. Yeah, and it's like, okay, I think I can wait until after we record the episode. Yeah. Whereas with the first episode, with that chunk, it's like, Tam gets stabbed. I'm like, Tam but I want to know what happens next! Yeah. Alright. Next, uh, next episode, part four, Eye of the World. Chapter 17, 17 to something. Through something. Some similar number Some of similar chapters number. or pages. I read about 60 pages an episode, so however many chapters that ends up being. Yeah. This was uh, Not the Beginning, episode three. Bye. Bye.